We're doing things a, a little differently this week on the Footy Talks podcast. This is our first ever live edition, live on location. I feel like a, a radio DJ saying that. Um, I, I don't have a stadium or a station identifier, but um, this is the Footy Talks podcast, and, and we're live in Hamilton at Odd Sports Bar um, ahead of the the France Belgium game. Um, but but we're here and, and wanting to talk about soccer in Hamilton in general. It's obviously a huge week. Um, for soccer in Hamilton, so um, we'll get into that as we go. Uh, I have Alan Gorman here, um, co-chief of Barton Street Battalion, um, you know, supporters group. Uh, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Did I get your title there, right? Or? Uh, yeah, it's been a busy last few months with everything mm-hmm. that's going on. So yeah, there's a there's a couple of us running it right now. But, okay. Um, uh, the guy who created it, James Sutton, is actually working with the club right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've pretty much been running things from then with a couple of other people, Carl and uh, Chris as well. So things have been going good. It's obviously the last couple of months, things have ramped up from where we were. We started two and a half years ago, and now we were just saying before we broadcast that it's been really interesting how things have been going from where we started to you know a couple of thousand people going to be in St. Martin's Field on Thursday. It's yeah. exciting times. It really is. Yeah, when did you first uh, kind of hear about the fact that there, there would be a Canadian soccer league? I know there, there was kind of talk of a, of a Hamilton soccer team even before that. There were rumors of NASL, and then this this Canadian soccer league kind of came out of the out of the woodwork all of a sudden. Yeah, well, uh, we we started like I said two and a half years ago based off an article in the Hamilton Spectator. I think um, Steve Milton, a journalist here, was one of the first to break. There's going to be a league. Hamilton's going to be one of the first teams in the league. And from there, the excitement kind of grew from a couple of people in the bar saying, hey, would you want to be a part of this? And, you know, feasibly, could we get together and start supporting it? Obviously, the league was meant to be created a bit earlier than it was, but the right people are kind of running it and taking their time with what they want and getting it to where it's needed to be. And by all accounts, things are looking great with all the other clubs' launches and then obviously ours on Thursday. I think um, ours is going to be pretty special. From, from what we've heard and the amount of people that are already interested in it. So, yeah, looking back on where we've come to, to where it will be on Thursday and just the process along the way, the amount of scarves we sold, we think we're close to 350 scarves now, which, you know, for a team that doesn't exist, it's, yeah. it's quite <laughs> it's insane, time, yeah. you know, for a supporters group of a team that doesn't exist. Um, so to see it all materialize on Thursday and actually become something that we've all sat and dreamt about and look, look forward to is, is a little surreal. So... You mentioned that this a little bit, kind of being a supporters group for, for years of a team that hasn't existed. Uh, what was that waiting process like? Because uh, obviously with the Canadian Soccer League, the details kind of came out very few and far Slowly, between yes. and, until this year where they finally started to ramp up and teams started to be announced fully. Yeah, uh, what think, was that um, process like? Yeah, I mean, last summer there was the first kind of real substantial moment of the league's coming and it's official. Um, which made us all feel great because for a long time we were kind of worried that, you know, we bought into something that isn't coming. But, you know, once once Paul got hired, he was in a room with us two days afterwards, actually across the street from this bar, um, with Nick Bontis, the vice president of Canadian soccer, and a few other Hamilton dignitaries, uh, John Gibson, a few other people, Ty Cast members. And we were all sat down, and 
Paul and them basically said, this is what's going to happen. We're doing this right from day one. Um, so from, to answer your question, from that point of view, we were kind of a little more settled than, say, some other groups that hadn't got to know what was happening. I mean, our supporters group came out long before there was a few others that started appearing. And obviously now I think you're close to having a supporters group in every city now for teams that maybe might not even come, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. And that's how soccer should yeah. Head, you know, it, it brings out passion in people, and it brings out a group of people together. Just look at the World Cup right now. You know, there's people that don't even watch soccer. They're all running down to the bar to see a semi-final today. And um, we were the first year a little hesitant in what we were doing, but I think from last summer onwards, things got ramped up. We knew what was coming. Ticats have been great with us, and they've talked with us every step of the way. Told us from day one, pretty much where they're seeing how they're going to plan ahead, move forward, and what their vision for the team's going to be, and, and kept us as a group involved heavily. I mean, we had direct contact with them from day one, which is actually really, looking back on it all now, it, it's quite unique in the sense yeah. that we were helping create this soccer team with them in some aspects. They're, they're the guys doing all the legwork, don't get us wrong, but, you know, just even little inputs that we've done and little things like that, it's, it's been great moving forward. So, we were worried, but with Thursday coming right now it's all a little surreal like I said it's uh, it's finally kind of I think once we get there it might sink in but yeah. um, that's pretty much been our focus from day one was the team announced get to know the team names the colours the logo and then from that point forward we can start daydreaming about actually being in the stadium and watching the game so yeah like you said Thursday must feel like such a milestone day for you guys it's, it's been so, so many years but now that will go from you know, kind of supporting the Hamilton soccer team, uh, kind of, you know, and, and knowing your identity now, knowing yeah. the brand, the team logo, the team name. Well, it's the birth of soccer here again, or the rebirth, I should mm -hmm. say, um, after what was, you know, back in the 80s and before. But, no, I think looking forward to what's coming is right. has pretty much been all we've had for a long time. Um, looking forward to this moment on Thursday um, has been for the last couple of years almost like a little bit of a daydream. We went off fumes for so long and then to have something material in front of you and create in front of us, it's, it's what we've all been looking forward to. It's what we've been talking about when we've had our meetups and when all the groups got together. You know, they started off five, six people in a bar and now there's 30, 40 people turning up to little events and bigger events. We had uh, the Canadian Women's Soccer Day down here last month um, and there was 300 in the supporter section about 50 to 60 of that was Barton Street Italian fans and you know we had a big tea stick cup that we made and actually one of the one of the uh, supporters in us threw in one of the scarves and the Canadian women were walking around with it uh, and Matheson picked it up and had yeah. it on her neck and they were passing it around so just that was a bit kind of daydreaming as well in that sense of you know this little group there was a couple of people in the bar to suddenly you know you can see the logo around the city and things like that and we're not quite at the stage of getting to the but that's going to come with the team name and the logo and seeing the actual club name talked about around the city it's going to be so exciting from this point forward and, and we'll bring out a lot more people you know everyone that knows about soccer, what's happening in Hamilton knows about it because of being passionate about soccer but the announcement on Thursday is going to bring in everyone else that's casual fans and things yeah. like that and that's what's going to be exciting seeing how you know the non-diehard fans the non-obsessed soccer people are going to embrace soccer in this city I think that's probably one of the more interesting points about what's coming is to see how Canada embraces it all as a league mm -hmm. 
So Hamilton, obviously, as a soccer city, um, you know, what makes it so great? Obviously, you guys have been very involved in, in the community level and the grassroots game um, over the past couple of months or, or past couple of years trying to, you know, grow the game in the city to, to get the city to the point where they're ready fully for a, for a professional franchise. Well, we've, we've been coaching. We did the uh, grassroots program up to Hornsfield, which is a fantastic um Thing that actually was a legacy from the Pan Am Games uh, mm-hmm. when that was hosted here. Um, so it's about two to three hundred inner city kids. Um, there were refugee children as well, and all volunteer basis. And there's a lot of us down there doing that the last three years. And that growing the sport in that way was fantastic with what they're running from um, the program there. There's a few of us I coach myself as well for my son's team. And there's a few other guys within the group that are active in coaching and getting their badges and so on. So we made a focus in that sense of any, you know, we're a non- non-profit group, but anything money-wise we've got, we're going to take a portion to helping people get badges towards their coaching degrees, even refereeing licenses and things like that. But in terms of your original question with, with Hamilton being ready for soccer, I think that England versus Canada women's game was a couple of years back. The Pan Am games that were here, the Canada game that was just here, and everything that's coming. The city is so multicultural. There's so many people that are obsessed with the sport. Tim Hornsfield's always sold out when Canada comes to town. Mm -hmm. I think it was 24,000 last month, and it was loud for friendly against Germany, you know? Yeah. uh, In that sense, the the city's definitely ready for that. It's, It's very much kind of one to two sport towns, high catch rule, and the Bulldogs have been successful last year, but there's there's definitely space in the city for a sport like that, especially when you consider how many different backgrounds there are within Canada, yeah. but within Hamilton especially, just look around, I think there's something close to like 22, 23 different youth soccer organizations all across the mountain downtown, so from that point of view, I think the city was ready to embrace it from day one there's a huge stadium here that's sat waiting to embrace it as well so it's just as long as everyone else comes out and gets fully on board with the project from day one I I don't see how it could could go backwards really what are kind of the the keys to success here to make sure a Hamilton team I I mean they're probably pretty similar for all the markets throughout Canada um, in in this league but uh, what do you see as kind of the the important points that this team really needs to hit on to to not only be successful but kind of also be a team that uh, people from Hamilton can really be proud of I think um, it it might be more unique in this city than than other cities actually I think uh, if you take the York Nine project for example they've got TFC on the doorstep so maybe success might be a little bit more important for them or you know value on the field than say here this is a city that comes from a steel background and values hard work and it's changed massively over the last 10 years uh, from me living in Hamilton this city has grown in so many ways every street has now changed its identity tenfold so I think in that sense if there's players on the field that are you know almost bleeding for the badge this is a city that would embrace that you know rather than maybe Everyone wants a flair player or two, don't get me yeah. wrong, but this might be a city that appreciates a, a, you know, a dirty tackle or three, and, uh, a couple of rougher challenges maybe, but at the same time, I think if everyone on the field is, like I said, bleeding for the badge and, and running their heart out for it, everyone here would appreciate that from day one and see that and see its value, maybe more than other cities, maybe not, but with in terms of the crowd, 
I think we're going to be loud regardless. This is a city that doesn't sit quietly in the background. It wants to be loud, it wants to be noticed, and it wants to get its image across from now and how it's changed, especially, like I said, last decade. And, and maybe soccer can help that with the identity. I mean, the, the way the city's rebranded itself is called the Ambitious City now. We have that on our scarves. And why not? Why not be ambitious with the team? Why not push it to be to be loud and noticed? Soccer leagues have, have always traditionally kind of struggled in this country. Um, we've had a number of them fold. We've had other ones go the way of sports betters. Um, there's been all kinds of crazy stories uh, about soccer leagues in this country. Um, what, what makes the timing kind of right now and and the mix, it seems, right about this league that it might work out, it might well, be different. I think if you look at the last three years of soccer in Canada, we had Montreal, Vancouver, but especially Toronto FC, mm-hmm. playing some great football, winning yeah. titles, Champions League finals. On the MLS side, we've got the 2026 World Cup coming all of a sudden. It's just going to change the landscape. I mean, when USA 94 happened, I think MLS was a huge benefit from that, Yeah. from hosting that World Cup. Okay, it's 10 games here, but that is enough to inspire a generation or two. You know, my, my son is eight years old now, and him witnessing a World Cup at 16 is going to inspire him, never mind a seven, eight, nine-year-old now. I think um, the other thing as well is it feels different in the sense of everyone who's been hired and everyone within the Canadian Premier League organization has stressed getting this right yeah. from day one. And it's it's bled through to us as fans. We've been sitting reading every single article for the last couple of years and, and it feels and even speaking with Paul and, and David and a few of the others, every time we meet them, their focus is making sure that this is gonna go in the right way and it's yeah. gonna build and they're not they're not aiming to knock out the park and they want they're building this. This is something and by having the Canadian World Cup here, I think that's another reason why it gives us league room to grow as well knowing the World Cup comes means that there might be a little bit more kind of a, a little bit more space for the league to grow in terms of getting things right whereas say if we didn't win the World Cup bid then maybe the onus would be speed things up and try and get the Canadian Premier League off for yes. a great start whereas now we can focus a little bit more on youth so in that sense it feels different in a climate the, the country feels more embraced with soccer than it did when I first moved to Canada um, I think, you know, obviously the World Cup going on right now. Yeah. That always draws in a crowd. But there's more people going to Toronto FC games. There's more people talking about soccer in general, um, population. It just feels different. Uh, it feels like the climate's right for soccer to finally grow here. And it's, I think we're the last uh, industrialized nation in the world to not have a league. I think it was yeah. one of the Cantillo guys was saying that they were talking about this abroad, saying... The Canada's getting the soccer league. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, why is it not already a thing? <laughs> yeah. You know, you think of every other country you can yeah. imagine, and they've uh-huh. had, you know, two or three divisions. Never mind a Premier League. So, so in that sense, it makes sense. It, it, it was obviously harder when Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal are in a different league playing yeah. in America. But the fact that everyone's making sure, well, oh, this is a Premier League. We're Division One status, and we're coming out from 
aiming for the top from the start it, yeah. it, it all smacks of something that is heading in the right direction and um, there's a group we're fully behind it we can't wait I mean obviously with Hamilton knowing from day one we're getting a team it feels like this league's heading in, in the right direction yeah one of the things that's really struck me as a positive as well you mentioned the front office and um, it seems like a lot of the hires that they're making are from people who know the game in this country. Obviously, Paul Byrne, uh, yep. being one of Toronto FC's original employees. Right as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, you said James Hutton, um, who's, who was the original leader, getting hired on by the Hamilton team. Yeah. There's there's countless examples of this. Even the coaches, obviously, Stephen Hart got yeah. hired by Halifax as well. With Tommy Wilden and, yeah. and uh, Rob Gale. Yeah, I, I mean... We're, we're sitting here looking on with envy. I think um, when Tommy Wilden spoke during the, the Calgary launch, I was green with envy. That's a guy who is A, passionate about town, B, passionate about youth soccer, and C, has been active in that community to the point where he almost believes it. He can yeah. feel it out of him. And, um, and I hope it's the same for us here. You know, the, the, the hires that Hamilton have put in place have been great so far. And everyone is is active in what they're doing from day one I think it's you got to remember okay the, the team hasn't launched yet but these guys have been working non-stop for months and months now to get this right and to make sure because their job starts you know the second the launch is finished is that's when everything is a go for them yeah whereas for the group that's where we start as well in a weird way even though we've been around a couple of years it's it's the birth of everything for us here. So in terms of the hires that's going, you know, we're sitting here looking on with Envy and, and the coaches that have been hired. Even when it comes to the players, it's going to be the same thing, you know, making sure that it's the right players from year one that buy in on the project and make sure that they're just as passionate about it as, as the guys in the Campiel office. Um, and, you know, you've already touched on this a lot, but um, how important is this league kind of as a catalyst for growth of soccer in this country because as you said we we haven't had a league we're the only country that that hasn't had a league and all of our players basically have to go either play abroad or even even play on you know in an American league on Canadian teams which we've seen the issues of that um, so, so, yeah yeah certainly guys like uh, Issei Nakajima Ferran and other guys like that have, have things to say about uh, the way kind of they were treated as Canadian players coming back home so um, how, how big is this league for, for that for the national team boost that we could give this country well that's how I think we won't really know the truth until maybe a decade from now um, but if that is the case, a part of me thinks who cares in a, in a horrible sense because if this gets us better players 10 years from now, yeah. that's the point. You know, mm -hmm. and, um, you're looking around at other leagues and you know there's certain fans in Canada that would prefer to watch Real Madrid than, than go support a local team mm -hmm. because they want to see the talent. They don't yeah. remember that Real Madrid was created in you know 1890-something <laughs> yeah. and has had a chance to build for, you know, well over 100 years. This is, this is a, a day one kind of rebirth here. And, Having, having a chance for these kids to go and watch their local heroes play in a stadium and get inspired like I did. I grew up going to games, you know, watching my heroes play. That was the reason I was out until my parents were screaming in the dark for me to come in because I was kicking the ball around all night. Yeah. It doesn't really happen here, you know? And maybe that's what it needs is some kind of local heroes and local attendance at games and having youth programs within clubs that appear and, and having a path where a player can go, okay, well, you know, I've played to 16, that's my career done, you know, which is a lot, it's probably 90% of talented soccer player stories and you get 
you know, Alfonso Davis appears out of nowhere, and he's a once in a lifetime Canadian thing that, yeah. that appears yeah. out of nowhere. But that's not how it is for 99.9% of Canadians playing soccer. It's the right coaches and getting a chance. And when there's no, when you have three teams to, to get into, or you have to go south of the border, or you have to go into Eastern Europe and play, or something like that. That's not the dream. The dream is you play for your local team and you get noticed playing that way, and then you know you get you get the international recognition after. You shouldn't seek the international recognition when you're 16, 17, 18. So I think that's the the most crucial part about all this. It really is. Um, uh, there was a great stat about Australia having uh, all their starting eleven players were honed and played in the A-League. Yeah. And that's a great league as an example for, you know, a league that came in late on that tried to work out how do we do this with a huge country that everyone is miles apart from each other. How do we build a league there? And to see the fruition of that, and, okay, they didn't have the best World Cup, but they had a, a nation full of players that came from this league. And yeah. Why not 10 years, 12 years from now have Canada in the World Cup and you can say, okay, well, he played for Halifax, he played for Hamilton, he played for Winnipeg. Um, that would that I think that would be job done for a lot of people in a in a weird way. I think this is the point for the league. So yeah, going back to, to what you're saying, this is probably the sole reason why everyone is doing this and everyone is so fully behind it. It's just yeah. giving people a chance, you know. And uh, before we wrap up here, um, where can people find the group and? Uh you know, you know, um, come out to, to meetings and stuff like that. I know you guys seem to have monthly pub nights and yep, things like that. We have a ton of stuff, uh, especially with the launch coming up as well. We've got um, we have a meet up once a month. We have a, a soccer pub quiz that's going to be announced on Thursday just before the launch. Um, where I think we've got like, a ridiculous amount of prizes for stuff like <laughs> that. And a lot of people, you know, a good night where everyone can come in and have a laugh and realize how little they actually know about soccer in public. Yeah. And then we've got other events coming up like football and things. But in terms of reaching us, our Facebook group is probably the best way to reach us, Barton Street Battalion. And then we've got our Twitter account, uh, Barton Battalion. Instagram, same thing, Barton Street Battalion. And our website where you can sign up to our newsletter is uh, bartonbattalion.ca. So, like I said, though, we've been growing constantly. I think every single time we've had a meeting, there's been five or six new faces um, when, when they all come together. And it's growing, and I think with Thursday, it's going to keep growing from that point onwards. And it's been so exciting to watch it all happen for the last while. Well, they're bringing a keg in uh, down the stairs now, <laughs> so um, we'll wrap things up there. Uh, but thank you very much, yeah, Alan, for joining me. Appreciate and, uh, it. Yeah, it's, it's been great to, to talk some Canadian Premier yeah, League. Obviously. I've enjoyed it. Thank yeah, you. For sure. And uh, after the break, we'll have uh, Nick Dyka of Arkells. And we're back with Nick Dyka, bass player for the Arkells and a baseball writer as well at uh, Baseball Prospectus in Toronto. Um, we're here at Odd Sports Bar, obviously uh, your bar. Um, what was kind of the, the idea behind opening up a sports bar here in Hamilton? Well, we kind of found that uh, me and a bunch of friends, like there was just nowhere in downtown Hamilton to kind of watch sports. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of the impetus for it. And from there, we have some friends who own a few other places in Hamilton. There's a place called The Mule, uh, Two Black Sheep, and we hung out at their bars all the time. And literally, we were just hanging out with Aaron and Matt, who own those places, and we're like, yeah, there's nowhere to watch sports in, in downtown Hamilton. And 
we were just kind of like, let's do it. Let's let's open a spot. Um, and so, yeah, I became kind of the resident sports consultant, and they were the uh, people who obviously know how to cook food and order yeah. beers and stuff like that. I know how to drink beers, but <laughs> but not buy kegs. So, yeah, so it was kind of just like we felt like we wanted a place we could hang out that was not as kind of like aggro as a lot of, of the typical sports bars and stuff yeah. like that. So, and, and that's kind of how this came about. Cool, and obviously the baseball fandom played a huge part in that. I know you guys, oh, when you're on tour, you so. uh, kind of yeah. try and hit up as many stadiums as you want or can and stuff like that. Yeah, honestly, because we tour so much, I find that we actually go to more parks on the road than get to watch games at home. So, you know, I've been to, like, two Jays games this year, but I've probably been to, like, I think three other stadiums uh, across across the league, yeah. Cool. So, and obviously with the with the tournament here, you've had a bunch of soccer fans uh, yeah. going in. How, yeah. how do you like the vibe? I know soccer fans oh. are, are a little different, but uh, they're exciting in their own way to have. Uh, oh, it's, it's awesome. Like, because as a baseball fan, I've never, like, watched a game at a bar and been like, oh, you need to have the sound on. Like, uh-huh. it, that's never done anything from my experience. Yeah. But the sound on for soccer, I guess because the crowd is so much louder than uh-huh. every other sport, it really does add to the atmosphere. And, like, a couple times I've been, like, on tour in the last two weeks, right? And I've been at, like, Applebee's watching the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when, it, when the sound's not on, it's not the same experience. So, like, yeah. I've definitely taken that from soccer culture, like, the, the watching culture. And like, having the sound on is really... It's really cool, and, and I think it adds so much. And as, as much as I don't want to say this as uh, someone who doesn't have a British accent, the, the British yeah. accents do make such a huge difference as oh, well yeah. in terms of you know yeah. just hearing that that voice yelling out throughout the bar is yeah. pretty awesome. It's almost like as North Americans, we just implicitly trust British people more <laughs> yeah. for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. always just assume yeah that they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you obviously obviously have been on tour. Uh, you, you mentioned Applebee's. Like, Kind of, yeah. kind of places like that that you've stopped in to, to watch the game so far? Yeah, we were in a, the time I had to go to Applebee's, we were in a pretty small town, so there wasn't a, wasn't a lot of options. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but nor- normally I try to avoid Applebee's <laughs> and, and, and that, that line, the, you know, Chili's. Yeah. I try to stay at those when, when possible. Yeah. Have you been kind of rooting for anyone in this tournament so far or just um, going with the flow? Yeah, well, normally I like rooting for Italy, Okay, but uh, Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but on and this is kind of crazy. Since having the bar, I've just kind of been getting a vibe for things. And it seems like at least in Hamilton or downtown Hamilton, there's a lot of English fans. Yeah. So I just kind of want all the English fans to be happy. So I'd kind of like them to go through uh, from tomorrow's game. And then today's game, uh, I feel like, you know, Belgium's, nev- they've never won, right, a World no, Cup? No, yeah, yeah. yeah, they haven't, yeah. yeah. So I think having Belgium go through would be kind of fun. And from my my really, like, kind of educated soccer fans, they say Belgium was kind of like kind of a hip pick earlier yeah, in the tournament. Yeah, for sure. So, I'd, yeah, I'd say ideal world for me is Belgium-England final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even that final, it's, it's been, it shows just how unpredictable of a tournament this has been. I mean, yeah. I thought I knew three things about soccer. Yeah. England lose on penalties. Germany yeah. makes a, makes finals and Brazil makes finals. Well, none of those things are going to happen. First, like, semifinal since 1930 yeah. that doesn't have Brazil or Germany. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, it's been a long time since yeah. either of those kind of elite soccer teams are in the final, but obviously that's opened some doors for teams yeah. like England who haven't been this good in a while and uh, Belgium right. as well. 
well. And like the interesting thing for me is like coming from a baseball background, they always talk about how like the playoffs are random, right? Anything can happen in a short series or in one game. And and I'm curious, like to know your perspective, is is that just kind of what's happening in this tournament? Is it just kind of like one bad bounce at the wrong time? Or are teams like England and Belgium really did they outplay, you know, Germany, the Germanys and the Brazils and, and those teams? I think there has been kind of a as, as the sport gets more globalized, I think we're gonna see this even more and more. Um, there's been kind of a you know a great equalizing of soccer teams yeah. that can play, um, you know, a defensive style that, that makes it so difficult for the top teams to break them down and they can play right. well organized and a lot of them play in their own home leagues now. So yeah. um, as the infrastructure kind of boosts in, in other nations, the top nations, it, it gets more difficult for them. And then obviously right. the knockout tournaments as well. Right. Uh, kind of anything can happen, but yeah. Even the fact that Germany went out in the group stage, like they had three games to to get it together, to get it together, and they weren't able to do that. So yeah. uh, that that's kind of a sign of how how things are growing. Yeah. Well, I mean, parity usually makes things more exciting, I guess, for yeah. for a lot of a lot of people. So that's a good thing, I guess. Oh, absolutely, for sure. That's been a that's been kind of a huge uh, hallmark of this tournament so far, and why it's so enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of as as a neutral or. I guess not a not a huge soccer fan, but a yeah. soccer admirer definitely during this tournament. Yeah, um, I do like soccer. Yeah, I just yeah, I sure. just don't have a, you know the same knowledge as you as baseball, baseball yeah, or something. Yeah, probably, yeah. Actually, my my roommate is like a huge huge Tottenham fan. Yeah, and so I get a lot of my kind of like info from him, and I mm-hmm. like you know when I watch games, I'm always literally just like, what's this guy? What's it? You know, like I was talking about the whole. Um, Sterling Mark Rasher debate. Rashford, yeah. Rashford, yeah, 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 yeah. About like who to start and like but anyway, so he's a huge Tottenham fan and I have a deal with him where if they win the treble, yeah, that we're gonna paint the house blue and white. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're gonna have to be painting yeah. the house blue and white anytime soon, but that's yeah that's kinda of funny. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering on your perspective, it's been such a good tournament overall, but um, for kind of the more the more casual soccer fans, how important is the, the semifinals and final in terms of how much you remember a tournament? Because I, I feel like even when I, you know, when I was growing up, like 2006, I, I remember that final. That's yeah. all I remember from that entire tournament. And obviously, I was pretty young, but I, I'll remember that headbutt for the rest of my life. Right, right. Um, yeah. And obviously, you being an Italy, yeah. Italy fan, you'll remember that as well. But uh, how important are these kind of next couple games to kind of define the tournament and the legacy of the tournament? As yeah, well? I, I think you know if we get somebody who hasn't won before, that's going to go a long way in making like cementing these kind of semis in the final as, as pretty memorable. Um, but yeah, I think there are always those kind of like kind of like iconic moments kind of like with the Olympics right there's like one one player or one one event or thing that really defines it and yeah I'm not sure what what it would be so far for me um I was getting a good chuckle out of Russia going so far yeah uh yeah I I don't think you know I don't think we're gonna look back and remember that specifically now that they're out but yeah I, I think you're right that like the semis and the finals do do go a long way in defining stuff yeah. And talking about kind of your baseball fandom, you did write an article um, for Baseball Prospectus. This yeah. kind of reminded me of when I was in grade school, I'd always make every project that I did about hockey. Yeah. Like, I'd always try and make that. This is you yeah. kind of doing that with baseball, watching the World Cup and kind of thinking, yeah. um, you know, these players seem pretty fast. How are they yeah. compared to the sport I regularly watch? Uh, what did you find in that article? Yeah. What were kind of the interesting standpoints? Well, so because... 
initially I was like, well, soccer players seem like they'd be better at running, given that yeah. it's such a so much more of a part of their job. And then I thought with baseball, well, it's a lot of like very quick running. Yeah. So my initial thought was like baseball players would be quicker in a sprint. But um, I looked up with baseball, all the data on uh, players' foot speed is publicly available through MLB. Yeah. And so that was easy to find. And then I did a little bit of digging to find some some sources on soccer players. And uh, soccer players' sprint speed is actually a lot faster. Uh, the top soccer players, and I'd be curious to know if someone who follows more closely, the list I was seeing, the the fastest guys were uh, Gareth Bale and uh, Leroy Sané. Yeah. Um, they were listed as the fastest, and they were about three kilometers per hour faster than the fastest baseball players. Wow. So it was about fastest baseball players are about 33 kilometers an hour run 33 kilometers an hour and the fastest soccer players run about 36 and the yeah. fastest ever is Robin apparently in the 2014 World Cup wow he got to 37 kilometers an hour wow so, which was nuts That's and fast. like for perspective in, if they were to run a 100 meter dash at yeah. top speed that's like literally under 10 seconds. Wow. Like, so you're getting close to like Usain Bolt. Now they couldn't actually run a hundred meter dash at, at that, that speed pace, because yeah. it typically takes 40 to 50 meters for an athlete to get to top speed. Mm-hmm. That's what makes Usain Bolt insane. But yeah. Um, but yeah, these guys are all incredibly, incredibly fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. I know Gareth Bale, he's a famous play kind of where he, yeah. he put the ball around a guy, ran out of bounds around the player and uh-huh. like went around him and and through so that's how fast he is oh wow yeah I'll have to show you that play afterwards but it's like an iconic Gareth Bale play where he just whipped around a guy like was so fast that he he could just go like a different route around him and still beat him to the ball so that's um, that's awesome that makes sense in terms of the data Um, speaking of kind of sports crossover we've actually seen a little bit more of that in, in this World Cup than uh, kind of we're used to. Soccer teams are kind of reaching out um, and looking at other sports. One of the big examples is England. They've been looking, uh, their coach went to the United States, talked to some NFL teams, mostly talked to some NBA teams about... Oh, the Spurs probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah it actually was, I think. Yeah. Uh, kind of the, you know, five on five, how are they creating space for players? Right. Um, and then using that for their set pieces. So we've seen the English national team set a bunch of pick plays yeah. and do a bunch of things like that. Um, you know, it kind of makes me wonder why we don't see that more in terms of, of sports teams kind of you know, yeah. going outside of their league and kind of getting some different perspectives. Yeah, well, I know like with analytics in baseball, I, like they were kind of the first people to kind of adopt it, and you're now seeing like basketball and hockey start to, yeah. to take it on. So, I, I mean, if, I think it's a smart thing to do, right? If you can learn something from someone else, it doesn't matter what field or what sport they play, like you want to do that. So that that's not surprising. And isn't it like, haven't England scored like most of their goals in the last few games on set pieces? Like, like yeah, have, have they scored? Like, I feel like that's I that's how they've been doing most only of their damage. Three from open play, and they have a level or eleven so far in this tournament. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically been, and it's kind of funny because traditional traditional soccer fans they kind of look down upon that. It's always seen as yeah. as a bit of a you know. Um, a mark on your team if you can't score goals from open play but right. the fact that you know England's kind of kind of looked at something in this tournament that other teams aren't necessarily doing yeah. um, you know to the same degree and they've said okay if we can be the best team in the world at set yes. pieces then yeah. we can go far and it's obviously worked out yeah. and is there something about like England's roster that makes set pieces kind of like makes them allows them to excel at set pieces 
Um, well, Harry Maguire. They have a couple of oh, big holes. Because he's so tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also uh, also the athleticism, too. And, yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think it's just this focus on it's, it's having a plan going into these set pieces and right. knowing exactly what they're going to do, where they're going to put the ball. Um, yeah. And yeah, they they go to Harry Maguire every time, which is right. hilarious. Like other teams know that they're going there, but they have such good plays and such accuracy that yeah. it doesn't seem like teams can stop it. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting. You look at um, you know the teams that have won the World Cup, yeah, and most of them have been the leaders in set piece goals too. So. Oh, okay, they're yeah. onto something. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it seems like they really are. Um, yeah, as you said, it's been exciting to see England yeah. go this far in the tournament. And is this all? kind of on Gareth Southgate as kind of like the guy who's brought this kind of thinking into the English team? Yeah, yeah. One of the things we were kind of talking about here before you got here is is how many young managers there's been in this tournament. Like Southgate's an example of kind of the next generation. They're kind of getting an opportunity here to even Martinez who's talking on the screen right now, the the Belgian manager, he's younger than your usual traditional 65-year-old kind of crotchety international manager. Right. Yeah, yeah. Southgate's been... uh, been pretty important uh, to the, to you know everything that England's done in this competition. Yeah, uh, it's it's really interesting. I'm looking forward to tomorrow to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Before we uh, before we wrap up, do you, do you kind of have a pick based on who you've seen so far in terms of uh, who, who's going to lift the trophy on, on July 17th? And also, I guess you said England yeah. would be the team you'd kind of be hoping to to lift. The yeah, trophy. I think so. I'm gonna. I'm just going to go with the smart money and say France. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just say France. It's kind of like the safe bet. But, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd love to see an England-Belgium final. Yeah. That'd be incredible. Actually, yeah. it would be, if England can win, they'd be only the second team, I think, since 1970 or something to make a World Cup final and win without facing another World Cup winner along the way. Oh, so they've kind of had a easy had, path. Yeah, kind of an easy path to the yeah. final, which has kind of made their road interesting as well. Yeah. Um, in eight years' time, the World Cup's going to be here. Ten games, obviously, but yeah. shared between the United States and Mexico. Uh, how exciting is that, and how big could that be for soccer in this country, do you think? I mean, I'd, as again, as a casual fan, I'd yeah. be really excited to go. I mean, I've seen games uh, in the U.K. At, um, at, like, at Old Trafford and White Hart Lane, and like, yeah. I know it's not the exact same thing to have games here where... You know, soccer is kind of like a newer, a newer sport, but I, I think it would be amazing. Like, uh, yeah, I'd love whether it's you know in Toronto or Vancouver. Is there going to be games in Toronto? Uh, yeah, so yeah. Toronto, Montreal, and Edmonton are the three cities. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, okay. Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, they they got disapproved or whatever. But those yeah. are the three cities that yeah, yeah will be just right up the road. Yeah, I, I'd love to watch a game, um, yeah. and and I hopefully it, you know with the growth of MLS and the World Cup, like I'm. It would be amazing to see Canada in the World Cup one day, right? You know, if not in in eight years, in the you know the twelve after that, yeah. Maybe they'll let you guys write the World Cup anthem. Oh, yeah, that is not something we would say no to. For sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, and finally, Hamilton obviously getting a team. The announcements yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. Um, how, how exciting is that? You know. Uh, obviously the Thai Cats are here the Bulldogs are here and now yeah. uh, whatever that soccer team will be named uh, yeah. is going to join them yeah no um, I'm I'm really excited I think Hamilton as a city uh, is going to be really supportive for soccer like historically there's a lot of a very very large 
population of Europeans, like Italians and Portuguese people specifically. My neighborhood is basically all Portuguese. If you like Portuguese food, come to my neighborhood oh, yeah. on James Street North. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of people in the city that are hungry for soccer and, and love soccer, and and so I think it's going to be great to have, to have the team. Yeah. All right. Well, really appreciate you uh, joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, hey. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, before we wrap up here, um, everyone who's listening, we have another Footy Talks event on Sunday at the Rec Room uh, for the World Cup Final. Uh, it'll be interesting to see which two teams get there, but we'll be hosting a halftime and uh, pregame panel as well. So hope to see you all there. Thanks for listening.